This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. Welcome, everyone, to the Craft and Character Podcast. Steve Carter here, and in association with my good friends at the Ascent Leader, who is just kind of just doing some incredible cohorts uh, for those that are in a transition period, you've been handed the baton, or you're just wanting to get better as a communicator, um, check them out. They're amazing. Um, my friends at Food for the Hungry do an amazing work around the world. Um, and also just a new kind of partnership that we have with Preaching Today. Um, this is actually a podcast that is on the Preaching Today network and Christian. Christianity Today Network, and uh, just a lot of exciting things that are happening. Um, and then also our good friends at CDF Capital who want to help you if you are looking in any way, shape, or form, whether uh, to kind of get a loan or just to kind of reevaluate your church loan, check them out. Good, good people. But today, um, I'm excited because uh, for the last almost year, I've been in a cohort with um, my friends, Josh Turner and Tyler Reagan. They started something called the 1010 Project. And I just came across this pastor named Charlie Dawes. Um, I, I think the world of this guy. Uh, we met um, out in this bizarro little cabin um, before going on a like snowmobile trip. And uh, my friend, Josh Turner had just been raving about him. He's like, Steve, you're really going to like this guy. You're going to like him because he's really, really thoughtful. He's really, really smart. Has like this good, like understanding of the kingdom of God. And, um, and we just, we shared a couple meals together and I just walked away going, I gotta, I gotta hang out more with this guy. Started kind of following the, the work that he's doing. He's a church planner out in DC. You're going to hear more about this. Um, but more than anything, um, I have just appreciated Charlie's questions, the questions that he asks, um, the way in which he shows up and is present uh, in conversations. And so um, today we're going to talk um, about how he, because he left the academic world, he was on um, Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida, like executive staff. Um, I mean, he's just just wicked smart. He's really, really smart. Um, and then he uh, is up in DC and he's uh, pastoring an amazing, amazing church plant. So you're going to hear about that. Um, but you know what we do on this podcast? We always want you to kind of learn from people, um, learn about their sounds, learn about um, how they communicate. And so I want to bring you into a message that he taught that I really, really appreciated. He, he was preaching and speaking on the importance of prayer. And so I'm going to give you a little chunk from his like application point um, towards the end of the teach. Um, and then we'll introduce Charlie um, and kind of hear from him, learn from his craft, and then um, really talk about the power of simple prayers and how that's affected his character and shaped his character to become more like Christ. So watch this, hear this, listen to this, and um, you'll get a little sense of my friend Charlie's sound. The second thing that we have to see is that prayer, kingdom prayers, are disciplined prayers. Here's what I mean by disciplined prayers. That they are the fruit of a disciplined life. And I'll simply say it this way. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. 
We're not showing up in prayer because we're getting what we want. We're not showing up in prayer because our prayers seem to work. We're showing up in prayer because when we pray, we know that God is present. And in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. But also in the presence of God, we know that we are shaped and we are changed and we are renewed. So hear me on this, friends. If you've been praying a prayer and it is yet to be answered, don't stop praying. Because perhaps instead of getting the answer to the prayer in the way that you're hoping for, maybe what's happening all along is that God is shaping and forming and molding you as you're present in his presence. What I see in Jesus's life is what I, I hope would be seen in mine and would be seen in your life, that there was a rhythm and there was a consistency, that there's a certain place that we find ourselves praying, get away from community, get away from ministry, and we're seeking the face of the Father so that our life can be renewed and it can be reflected of the kingdom mission and then the kingdom ethic would be birthed in us in prayer. Listen to me, I think some of the greatest sort of kingdom movements that could happen in our life will not come just from studying, but they will come because we have been disciplined in prayer. We're showing up in prayer, not when it's comfortable only, but we're actually showing up when it's difficult. We're showing up when we don't feel like it. Listen to me, some of the most impactful prayers that you will ever offer to God will be when you and I don't feel like it or when we don't feel like it's actually leaving the room. You see, we, we oftentimes forget the disciplined part of the spiritual life. It's not just this euphoric and ecstatic feelings, but it is this sense of I'm just showing up and I'm kind of like, I'm like, I'm chopping wood. I'm taking swings at this tree. I'm not trying to knock it down in one blow, but I recognize over a consistent pattern and in rhythm before I even know it, the tree ends up falling down because I was taking one swing at a time. Disciplined prayers are kingdom prayers. Charlie Dawes, welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast, man. How are you doing? I'm uh, doing great, man. Thanks again so much for uh, having me on. And it's always good to chat with you. So this is good, good times. Oh, man. Well, okay. So, so give us a little like rundown because um, people just been able to hear your teach that you did. Um, just give, give us a little background on like where you are like in, you know, this church planning season and then a little backstory on this specific message and why you wanted to do this message at this time in the season of your church. Yeah. I, I mean, wow. Uh, so our church launched, we're right at a year. Um, so it, which is really exciting. But when you think about it, um, what an interesting time uh, kind of to launch a church. We're in uh, kind of this COVID season and moving through all of that, the unknown, um, the changes, uh, kind of all of that in, in this season has been uh, quite an adventure, um, but, but we love it. And so we're just outside the D.C. area. Our church is located in Alexandria, Virginia. Um, we're meeting in person now, uh, but for the first seven months of our church, um, it was online. Uh, and so the messages were recorded kind of in my office, um, and we were doing church at home, uh, and everyone was doing church at home. And so for us, kind of as we're starting foundationally with the church, you know, there are things well, what's important for a church to understand? And for me, uh, our heartbeat in our church is we want people you know, to encounter God. We want to make disciples. 
Uh, and we want us to always keep in mind that we're doing this for the sake of others. And so, so part of, of discipleship is, is providing tools. Now, what is it for, for tools to care for your own soul? Um, what does it look like for us to, to put those things kind of in your, in your toolbox? And so for, for me, there's this sense of, of prayers always going to be something that is kind of close to my heart. Um, it's the way I was raised. I kind of point back to, you know, pastor growing up was very much a, a prayerful person. Um, my parents were prayerful people. And so it just seems to make sense that, you know, when you're beginning a church in a season right now where so much anxiety, so much frustration, so much confusion, um, so much worry, um, the anecdote to those things, uh, I think, is prayer. And so I just wanted to, to add and I just wanted to be to be helpful um, for our church. Hopefully it was. Charlie, we're, we're, you know, similar age. And, you know, you just mentioned kind of some roots and legacy around prayer. Do you find that prayer has kind of stayed and put like when you think about people's engagement with prayer do you feel like it's decreased you know especially in the in moments of kind of this pandemic last 18 months two months do you feel like it's actually like people because of the uncertainty there's more leaning in or yeah yeah, like where do you find like when you think about your people in Alexandria and your upbringing um, are we on the uptick when it comes to prayer are we kind of holding steady or is this a a, a stock that that has just dropped drastically in your opinion for sure uh, by nature I'm a glass half full guy Um, and so I I think it's on the on the rise Um, and, and I think I think some of the ways we think about it, though, probably our critique of ourselves and our other and our others um, around things like this, I think may be unfair. Uh, I think oftentimes we think about, oh, is there a decline in prayer? Or is it because we're looking at this lens that actually isn't an expectation we were ever supposed to live to anyways? So, so for me, there's a sense of, you know, when I look at what's happening and I'm having conversations with people, for me, their lives are becoming more prayerful because they're becoming more dependent because they're living in a place that's unknown. And it's requiring them to have this trust or this question or this pursuit. And I think all of that's prayer. Like I I remember there's a quote I I came across years ago. uh, It's like from like the 16th century. And I remember reading it and was like, man, this was, this is beautiful. But that any, that prayer is any raising of the heart to God. And so for me, when I think about that, if I were to, if I were to judge my own prayer life, man, over the last two to three years, man, it feels like my heart's been raised to God a lot more. Um, than maybe it was in, in previous seasons. And I'm hearing that in other people as well, where, man, their heart is, is moving towards God out of desperation, out of concern, out of fear, out of anger. Um, and I think all of those uh, biblically have, have roots in prayer. You can have all of those emotions and be prayerful. So I, I think it's on the rise. That's so good. I, I love that. I love that. Raising your heart to God. This is just like a, Anytime you do that, that's prayer. That's beautiful. Talk about that because, you know, again, one of my favorite things about you is your curiosity and your thoughtfulness. And I see this flesh out when you are crafting messages. You, you in this message, you kind of, you know, spent the first few minutes um, really af- reflecting and reading on the passages from Luke 9, you know, which, you know, the disciples come and then, okay, or, teach us to pray. Maybe it was Luke 11, one of those two. I should know this, you know it. Um, but like, and then you, then you go to another passage, I think it was Luke 18 and, and you kind of read probably 90 seconds to two minutes of dip, like a good yeah. chunk 
of text, you know, my, my preaching professor would have been like a, a, a very large pericope, if you will. Um, but like you, you, you read it and then you started to break it down. But it was kind of all this around this ancient question of teach us how to pray. And I just love how you kind of use that one question to really get to the ache of the people, because for so many of us, like we want to lift our hearts. We want to raise our hearts to the Lord. We want to do that. But some of us, we just don't know how to do that. And then as you wrap the teach, you kind of gave people just five things to really think about when you are, you know, lifting your hearts, raising your hearts, when you are engaging in prayer. And they were, they, they weren't kind of like, um, you know, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. They, they, there, there was more in the, the posture, they're more in the discipline, more in the, um, just the, the spirit. Just kind of give us a little bit more on that teach. Why, why you wanted to give that, deposit that word into your people at this time? Yeah, I think for me, um, prayer, prayer was something I grew up around, but it didn't mean that I ever felt proficient in. Um, and, and always, always, even still, and sometimes, you know, carry a, a bit of anxiety around prayer in terms of, um, I'm an Enneagram three. So I'm always wondering if I'm praying the best that I can, or if, if, if there's someone out there praying better, maybe I should practice harder at prayer. And then I can really, I can compete in prayer. And that's, that's a ridiculous notion, but nevertheless, it is, it is a feeling or a thought that I might have. And so I, I always wonder, um, and don't think that I'm so much different than other people, but if I'm having that question and that thought and that worry and, and wonder, I, I've been walking with Jesus for a long time. Uh, I'm certain that there are people that, that are also asking a variation or that same question. And so for me, like looking at Luke's gospel, I, it is my favorite. It's my favorite gospel. Um, whether you're supposed to have a favorite or not, um, I do. And I think it is because I'm a probably a Pentecostal kid. And I learned that, man, Luke and Acts, man, those things, those are like, those are the homies that ride together. And so like the Pentecostal kid loves Acts and then you're like, man, we're going to love Luke too. And, uh, but when you look at Luke, what I didn't realize um, until, you know, many years ago is that Luke, Luke's gospel talks more about prayer than any of the other gospels. And then when you begin to look at this, this idea of the disciples asking Jesus to pray, and oftentimes we think of that just as that like Sermon of the Mount discourse where they go to Jesus and then he says, he offers them the, the, the Lord's prayers that like framework Hey, hey, use this as a rhythm for prayer. And, and for a large time of me walking with Jesus, like I thought that was it. Like I thought that was, oh, that's, that's it. And what I wanted to try to show was a sense of, of, of look at how Jesus talks about prayer in a variety of different ways, almost to give us a sense of comfort, an invitation that your prayers in different seasons and at different times will have a different velocity. They'll have a different texture. They'll have a different approach and, and just wanting to make sure that, that, that got to be seen in that, in that context. And, um, you know, those parables, I remember kind of reading them and I don't know if I use this, this phrase or if it, if it got edited out by, by our team, but there was a, a sense of, you know, my neighbor, your friend and a widow, you know, there's that sort of rhythm where you see the different types of prayers offered. And really what Jesus is, is, is giving the disciples is a sense of prayer should look like these things. And it's less about the example I'm giving. The example I'm giving is just a handle for you to understand the heart posture. It's so, it's so beautiful because, again, 
I, I, I like how you, you just are just transparent in the sense of, and sometimes, sometimes I feel like with prayer, um, there's a lot I've had to unlearn um, mm. because, you know, I, I think it was baked in at such a early level. You know, I, I didn't grow up in the church um, as a kid. I started to kind of ride my bike and go and get dropped off in junior high. And, but I went to a parochial school that taught Bible. And mm-hmm. I, I just remember learning this word sovereign. Like God is sovereign. God is all knowing. God is all these omni words, you know, omniscient and omnipotent and omnipresent. And, and you know, how kids are very perceptive. They're just not always the best interpreters of reality. I, I always thought prayer was a lack of faith as a kid. Like I, I need to tell you God something because I don't think you, I think you've forgotten me. Like I think, mm. because my understanding was God knows, God knows, God knows all, God knows all, God knows what I'm going through. Me actually communicating with him and telling him my needs uh, was me basically saying, I don't think you see me. That's how I, I interpreted it. So I had this really like detached were like perspective of prayer. Um, which isn't helpful, you know, and, and so in so many years though, or like for so many years, that was kind of my, yeah, like I, I, I think God wants the best for me. I think God, God desires good for me. I think God will, but I didn't know how to actually trust that I could invite him in that he wanted. Mm-hmm. And so, so again, just that the, the ways that you're talking about posture, the ways that you're talking about um, almost it's, it's, it's not this, you know, do this. It's this relationship. It's this connection, which I think is just, again, so helpful for me. Um, and I think for so, so many, um, how does prayer kind of work its way in again? I, um, for, for those of you listening who, who might not, not know Dr. Charlie Dawes, um, which is, I think another why, another reason you like Luke is because he was a doctor and you're, you're a doctor. Um, but as my, as my son would say, he was a real doctor that knows science and I don't know science. And so I'm not a real doctor. So that, that's what my, that's good. That's good. My 11 year old son, 12 year old son says to me. So <laughs> that's good. That's good. He's grounded. <laughs> he's grounded. <laughs> um, you know, you, you wrote a book called simple prayer. And I, w- I want to talk about that um, in a moment. Cause I just felt it was again, super, super helpful for me and something I really just, I just thought was a beautiful, beautiful resource. Um, but I, I'm really curious because Again, your thoughtfulness, your love for prayer, you, you, the way in which you live an intentional life, which I really respect. How does prayer show up in your prep for the preach? What, is it, what does that look like? Because I think, I think a lot of guys, um, women and men who are, who are crafting messages, I think they maybe want to say a prayer, but I think oftentimes prayer, when it comes to preaching, is often asking God to bless the last 10%, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, I've done all this study. Will you just bless this talk? Um, bless the work I've done. But like, what does, what does prayer in the prep of your preach look like for Hill city? Yeah, I, I love that question. And I love the way you phrased it. Um, and I think the, the easy response is it's not as, it's not a formula and it's not as formal um, wow. as, as you might think. It is an awareness that God is, is, is present. And it is me, it is me then saying, okay, God, I, I, I have this time carved out 
So let's just say this is the, the carved out time where we're going to put in some, some, some long hard yards. It's me knowing that the spirit and the presence of God is there, both in the room and in the text. And so then me saying, okay, God, help, help me to be as, as open and, and as present to you and to the word and you in the word as you are to me. And so it, it is the slowing. It is the uh, being aware of, of, of what I'm reading and then, and then listening. Uh, it's, the, it's the Kierkegaard quote, right? It's, the, it's that prayer is not speaking, but prayer is listening. And, and there's a sense of, so for me, the praying, the praying in the prep of the message is very much a, a, a listening, is very much a holding it loosely and trying to discern, okay, God, what? What is it that you want me to offer your people? What in, if it's a message that I'm trying to bring a sense of encouragement, God, help me to have, help me to have the, the gentleness and the meekness and the encouragement of, of your spirit. Help me to, help me to have that. If, if, it's, a, if it's a message where there, where there might feel, even if there's like a, a prophetic sort of word in it, God, help me to hold this um, with, the, with the grip that doesn't destroy but but also doesn't allow me to go to go floundering to the left or to the right, but help me to stay kind of right here rooted in, in that word. So I think that that portion of the study that that's the prayer. Uh, it, it is um, at times even even celebratory when you come across the nugget or the idea or the something where you feel like, oh, this is the thread that if I pull on this, man, I'm going to have a sweater in my hands. Like there is times where I'll be excited and I will even say out loud, man, oh, there you are. Uh, there you are. And, and it's a sense of rather than talking as if God or thinking as if God is distant, it is a sense of I just want to become more and more aware that there might be a burning bush in the office in the study as I'm there. Like, and, and I just want to be able to hear the voice. Um, I just want to be able to, to hear what the scripture is saying um, and, and help, help people to see the bush as well. So I love that. You mentioned not a formula but there's something formal, you know, there's something like, um, I, I, again, because my relationship with prayer wasn't something that there was a, a legacy or a lineage or some, Hey, this Mm -hmm. is how you do it. It was kind of, I've been trying to figure it out. You know, is there, is this something that you just naturally do? Like, do you spend like, Hey, first 90 seconds before I, Mm. I, I do, you know, like, for me, I, I have these these candles and um, by Craft and Foster, and I just I love the smell of them. And I will mm-hmm. I will I will light that candle. I usually will play um, uh, the <laughs> song "Obsession" by Delirious. Um, oh. I just remember that song. Like you surround me like a winter fog. Oh, dude burns yes. for you. I just like, yes. that's like, that is like the song for me, like as a, you know, takes me back to like 97. And I just, oh, I love I'll it. just it's just like, like nine minutes of just like, uh, at least yep. the live version. Um, and I'll just play that song and have this candle. And it's just, it's, it's a, it's a bit of like attunement for me. Um, yes. that like, Hey, this, this book is inspired, but it's inspiring. So let yes. me be attuned to what you are inspiring out of it. Yeah. Um, again, I I don't know what I'm doing. And I love what you're like, 
uh, there you are. You know, for me, when I see that nugget, it's like, thanks be, thanks be, thanks be yeah. to God, thanks be. Um, but is there anything like that specifically for you? Because again, I think there's a lot of um, people who've been preaching for 40 years and there's a lot of emerging voices yeah. right now who, um, again, are better at asking God to bless their work rather than inviting Ooh. God into the entire process. Anything else you'd Ooh. add on that of like what you do? No, I, I love it. Oddly enough, I, did, I didn't know that about kind of your, your process. Um, very, very similar. Um, I, have a, I have a candle on the desk. Yes. Um, there, there is a sense where, yes, m- music is involved. Um, I haven't got to the place where it's the same song. I do like that idea now and I may, um, but it does remind me there was a season. There was a season in every one of my kind of what I'll say formal prayer times. And this would be kind of aside from the, the preparation of a sermon. This is me just kind of come and be with God. Um, there was an old David Crowder song. And it was on one of his early albums, very short track called I need words. And, and that, that song would, would begin my prayer time. And and I, and I, it was for a, a, I mean, a stretch, I'm talking probably a couple years stretch. There was not a prayer time where that was missed. And, and what I've found is now you know, it, it might be a simple, a simple prayer. It might be a phrase that kind of is a switch where I go, okay, I'm moving now from whatever else I was doing in this study. Um, I am, I am a Peter, uh, a Petersonian influence. So I, I try to avoid using the term for my um, workspace at my house as an office. It is a study. This is not um, for the work that's done in offices. This is a different, different space. Um, so for me, there's a sense I want to have a switch. Uh, I love the candle. So I do that. But there's a sense where maybe it's some deep breaths for me, where I'm just trying to, I'm trying to settle in because I don't want to bring anxiousness to this work. I don't want to bring striving to this work. I, I want to bring um, my best self and know that, that long before this is ever going to change anyone else, that this is going to change me. And, and just to make sure that I'm, that I'm ready to receive the pitch. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, you, you mentioned some Pentecostal roots yeah. and, you know, oftentimes, and I think, um, and this is, this isn't a fair description of like Pentecostal preaching, but there's a, there's a, like a, a vamping and ramping and like mm-hmm. excitement towards like what, um, what the spirit might be up to and what might be stirring yeah. and what might be happening. Um, and there's, you know, again, I, I'm, there's no shade on that. Um, I don't mean of that course. in any way negative. Um, you know, when I, when I hear you preach, um, there, there is a, um, doesn't mean you don't have that gear, but I, th- I feel like, mm-hmm. again, there's a, there's a level of thoughtfulness too. Um, and again, I'm not saying that contrasting that there's not thoughtfulness in the other side. No, all, no, I understand. But, I understand exactly what you're saying. But there, there's a sense where I feel like you kind of, um, if I, if I, if I go really, really deep into Pentecostalism, I feel like you have this tarrying ability. Remember that word tarry, like mm. the T A R R Y. Like you, yes. you have this ability just to tarry on a topic, and it's like, and I just, I feel like it's, um, it just, it just brings it deeper and deeper, and forming and forming and shaping and shaping and likeness of Christ, like, um. But that doesn't, that doesn't always feel like uh, my experiences. Um, have, you, have you at times felt like a fish out of water? Have you at times felt like, hey, like I, I, 
I could do that, but that's not me. Like you, you, you're, you're mentioning the, you know, Eugene's influence on your life. And, um, mm-hmm. how, how have you been able to hold what is true about you, um, in a, you know, a denomination that has a unique sound to itself and take the best parts of it, but not lose the mm-hmm. unique abilities you have to tarry. Does that make, does that make sense? No. Yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, by the, by the grace of God, right? I, I'd say that. Like, thank, <laughs> thanks to use your phrase. Um, but I, I think for me, what it has always been is a, first off, let, let's define Pentecostalism, right? Let's not define it necessarily as the charismatic expression. Again, not against it. Um, but for me, when I say Pentecostal, that means a radical openness to the spirit. Beautiful. And so, so for me, the prayer, the preach, the living is a radical openness to the spirit. If I'm not careful, exuberance in worship may actually close me off to the spirit. It, a, a shouting may actually keep me from being able to hear what the spirit is saying. Oftentimes we, we see Pentecostalism's expression in worship or expression in preaching, and, and it's actually overwhelming. And, and for me, because you always can critique your family more sharper than someone else can. Right. So I can critique the Pentecostal community being one, maybe a little bit sharper than, than, than you will. I think at times what happens is we want to bring celebration. We want to bring energy. We, we want to bring everything else, but thoughtfulness. And so for me, I feel like one of the graces on my life are callings and and that really comes from my own personal interest in this. I don't want to ever feel like someone has to check their mind at the door. Um, I, I want them to love the Lord with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want, I want to think. I was fortunate to have influences you know, in, my, in my college years where I saw an intellectual Pentecostalism that was probably what I, I longed for and yearned for, where it wasn't, um, it was gifts of the spirit, but it was fruit of the spirit. It yeah. was, it was a sense of, of high desire for evangelism, but also discipleship. And, and so for me, so much of what I probably read has, has influenced that, you know, the, what I like to call the cloud of witnesses, right? The, 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 the books that we read of saints that have gone on, like, I love the Desert Fathers. I love reading um, the, the Christian mystics. I, I love reading those that experience the spirit and in a different way, whose pneumatology is rich, even though it didn't begin, you know, in the early 1900s at, at Azusa Street. I, I think Pentecostalism's roots are far deeper than, than maybe what we give credit for. And, and so for me, I just want to, I want to find, find the activity of the spirit. And, and I don't think that that's always, um, loud. Um, I I think in, in some ways, you know, I think sometimes we exchange the quiet for noise and we mistake, we mistake the loudness as God. Man, that's beautiful. As I mean, that is, yeah, it's, it's just a, I think really, really, I think really puts in um, kind of helpful handles to 
you've just described, I think, what I appreciate so much about your voice when I listen to you preach and I listen to you. Um, because, yeah, it's, it's this, um, it's just this, the best of, almost of, of um, these traditions that you've, I feel like, been brought in, been able to bring into and just let it marinate and um, just able to, again, I use that word, Terry, just be able to like sit in and just uh, be open to what God wants to do. Um, I, I'm curious because you, you wrote this book called Simple Prayers. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not a long book. It's, it's really just a, it's, it's an, I like it. It was like a really, really um, easy read, but it was like deeper than I thought it was going to be. Um, there were moments where uh, I just found myself going like, I've, n- I've never heard that before. Um, and then there were moments that I was like, oh, this, like, I, I wish I would have had this 20 years ago. Like, I, I think this would have been such an incredible um, guide. And again, this, you know, reading this really made me want to um, do this interview with you. I mean, known you, I've been able to see the questions you ask, and I've always been like drawn to you, but it was, it, I could see again, just this formation of Dr. Charlie Dawes um, through this realm of prayer. I think about like Joshua and Moses. And I think about Moses at this mountain. He's got this young aide who doesn't want to leave uh, the tent. And I just, I, you know, and again, we see so much from a platform or from a preach or, you know, from social media um, I'm just really, really fascinated with the the leaders. Like, who are they when nobody else is there? Uh, who mm. what kind of what kind of practices do they have when um, there's there's no money, there's no influence, <laughs> there's no potential, there's no there's there's nothing. You know what I mean? And um, and then I love to I feel like be refreshed and renewed and um, reminded of God's kindness and goodness and the practices that have come out of those times that have been happening for decades and decades and decades. Um, and so that's what I just really felt about your book. Can you maybe just talk about this book, why you wrote it? And then I just have a, just a few more questions just on it around how it shaped your character. So, yeah. Yeah. I think the, the book for me, um, the idea came from work I did in my dissertation um, and, and just looking at um, prayer prayer throughout the centuries and creating like a formation model. Here's the thing about dissertations. No one wants to read them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like no one. Uh, And so it it ends up being cumbersome, but you have all of the legwork and it's something for me that was very, very personal. So the Jesus prayer, you know, this prayer from, from, you know, the early centuries of the church kind of emerging from the desert fathers uh, rooted in scripture but this idea of, of this, this short prayer, um, I was introduced to it in my, in my undergrad, again, by, by one of the people and the mentors I was mentioning before, who introduces me to this, this whole new sort of, here's what it felt like to me, this young Pentecostal kid. I remember coming into school and hearing names and having no idea who these people were or, or where they connected to our, our story and and it, it almost felt like it was family members that were long lost. And so for me, when I read some of these things, I go, oh, this is, 
this is helpful. And you see formational tools and some of them will resonate and some of them not so much. And um, this Jesus prayer, you know, Lord Jesus Christ, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It resonated with me. It, it was one of the first times prayer became a rhythm where, where it wasn't spontaneous. My tribe growing up was very, very high on spontaneity very low on historical roots. So, somewhat even, you know, one of the critiques of the Pentecostal community would be that they're ahistorical, wow. that, that, that they don't look in history. Um, and so for me, you know, it was, it was the, you know, it was the wardrobe and, and you crossed into the wardrobe and now you're in Narnia and you look, you look left and here comes Mr. Tumnus. And, and it's the sense of like, that's what the kind of, being able to read and dive into some of those things. So for me, it became a formational model that was personal. Yes. And then I started having this sense of like embracing the idea that prayer did not have to be long or loud, um, but that it could be simple and it could be impactful. And each of the words could carry more weight. And, and, and that was part of the, the, the thought process. And then you start looking at, you know, prayer and you start seeing that these simple prayers were, were everywhere um, that you could grab hold of them and they could, they could anchor you and they could, they could be this sort of response to the invitation to pray without ceasing. Yeah. Um, that doesn't have to feel like a daunting task. Like, Oh, I've got to just talk all the time. No, it actually gets to the place where it's, it's like your, your breath. I breathe in prayers and I exhale prayers. Like there's a sense of, of it's just this underlying um, click track to, to our, to our life. And, and my first sort of engagement with that thought really came, you know, in the Jesus prayer. And, and that's where this book sort of came from. Yeah. Um, talk about this, like, because I think, you know, it's Mark thirteen forty seven. Is that what you're, that is the, the Lord Jesus. So the, so that was the, the biblical roots for the Jesus prayer would actually come from the tax collector and the Pharisee. Okay. Yeah. And then it would actually come from um, Jesus and blind Bartimaeus. I gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And so and, the, those places. Yeah. Keep going on that. So where it, it's the, it's the cry for mercy. So it's the tax collector and the Pharisee where he says, I, I you know, have mercy on me, a sinner. Yep. And then you have Jesus and blind Bartimaeus where there is this cry from the side of the street. Son of, David, Son of David, have mercy on me. And so what you, what you had from the Desert Fathers is there was this um, kind of connection and rhythm of prayer that would be you know, prescribed um, to, to, the, to the, their, their followers, getting this sort of rhythm you know, in them. So, yep. so that would kind of be the place biblically rooted where, where this prayer, um, the Jesus prayer would come from, not just the like, prayer of Jesus sort of at the end of his life over his disciples, or that sort of thing. It's, it's a sense of, you know, these are, uh, it's just, it's known as that. And it's actually the cry out to Jesus Yep. Um, for mercy. So you're married, you're a father of three, um, planting a church. Um, are there moments when you go like it's tense or you're uncertain or you don't feel, you use the word anchored, which I really appreciate. You, you feel just a little bit like being kind of moved from wave to wave. Yeah. And whether you're in a meeting, you're in a kitchen, you're in your car, you just gotten off the phone. 
how, you know, I read your book, but I have like, you know, there's another thing like, you know, when you, you get to hear it like on audible or you get to see someone mm-hmm. actually kind of like distill down or detail down how yeah. in their real actual one and only life, like yeah. this is how I do that. Can you just yeah. talk about that? Cause again, uh, you're someone who I see your character leading the way, which I so appreciate. And that's what the heart of this podcast is about. Like not, not, you know, dismissing our craft. We want to be great at our craft of communicating, always having our character lead the way, but in real time, like what, what does that look like for you to say that simple Jesus prayer? How, do, how does that play out? Yeah. I think some of the examples that you just offered, uh, I think are, are spot on. Um, and I'll give you a couple. I mean, I remember, I remember years, years back, um, getting ready to defend my dissertation. So you have all of this years of work and, and here we go. Now I got to go face to face and I've got to talk this thing through and they're going to ask questions and push on. And, and you hope by the time you get to that place that there's no going to, not going to be any, you know, rugs snatched from, from under you. And I remember flying to, to Portland and I was ready to, to give the, the defense. And I found myself just, I mean, anxiety was there. there. There's no other thing to call it. It was, it was fear. It was dread, like all of the classic definitions for, for anxiety. And, and I remember like frantically trying to figure out how to bring calm. And then it dawned on me. You've, you've done all of this work. Mm. Why not? Why not give this a go? And so I sat on a bench in, in Portland and I just, with a deep breath, Lord Jesus Christ, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I'd say it as loud as I could hear it. The person next to me probably couldn't, but I knew it was a, it was enough to where it was crossing the threshold of my lips. And then there was a sense, there was an awareness, there's a peace. Oh, okay. Because the beautiful thing about that prayer is whenever we, I mean, Benedict says this, as we grow in maturity and we grow in humility, we're, we are both confessing and aware of our own sinfulness. That's actually part of maturity. That's right. So when we're praying the Jesus prayer, it's a confession of Christ as Lord, but that's only one half of the confession we should be making with our life. The second part of that confession is, is knowing who we are. And then the cry for mercy is the, is the prayer that is always responded to by God. It's the, it's the beautiful thing that you see in both of those texts that I mentioned before. There is a response of God to give mercy when it's called. It stops Jesus in his tracks. And so when you think about it, the disciples missed it. They're yelling at, at Bartimaeus because he's calling out to Jesus. They're, they're frustrated. So the only person that really had proper sight in that context, the scripture, was the blind man on the side of the road. And so you can, you can have those moments. And so breathing that prayer in, in that simple place gives me a, a sense. So now I translate that to I'm riding down the street with my kids. We're on the way to, you know, they're, they're in the back just being loud. And I'm like, dear God, why did you give me these kids? And so I just kind of, I, I exchange that prayer sometimes for Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And there are, there are broken versions of that too. You could simply just pray Christ have mercy. Yep. Um, the idea behind simple prayers is not simply that it has to be the Jesus prayer, but what word, what phrase, what collection from, from scripture um, 
what line can I grab hold of? It, it also, I mean, if you're, you want to go here with it, it also connects very much to reading the scriptures in a posture of Lexia Divina. That's right. And, and so for me, it is that sense of, of just wanting to, to key in and wash my mind in the water of the word and allow, allow the spirit of God that breathed all of that into to existence to also breathe on me. It's beautiful because you can, you can take that just prayer, you know, Lord Jesus Christ, son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. And, you know, however many words those are, but at certain times and certain seasons, you know, it could be Lord, Ooh. it could be Christ anointed one. It, it could be mercy. It could be son of David, you know, it could, you know, it could simply be have, you know, or, I mean, and again, that does it, it, yes. it really is great training ground for the Lectio Divina, like kind of that process of being attuned to are there certain words, certain themes, certain kind mm-hmm. of just, um, concepts that that maybe for just today or for right now just that um god wants you to to sit in and be open to um talk about your breath with it you know because mm-hmm. simple prayer the breath prayer it feels very very connected you know in that mm-hmm. like um are you breathing in on certain phrases of that prayer mm-hmm. exhaling on certain phrases like or is it breathe in say it all breathe out how, how, how does it typically again not trying to get so formulaic but at the same point oh. like just very curious because um you're someone i just respect and how you you know engage with the the deeper practices yeah, I think the, the breathing is incredibly important. I think it's, um, so again, not to prescribe, it has to be this or that. I think both are. So there are times where it can be Lord Jesus Christ. That's the one half. Exhale, Son of living God. Inhale, have mercy on me, a sinner. Like it, 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 it should be the rhythm. Now, again, based on your lung capacity, you may be able to breathe, um, you, you know, more or different. I had a professor that used to, um, he was very big on comma placement. Like I remember, and he said, I can't have you putting commas anywhere you want to take a breath. You may have weak lungs and I can't have you destroying the writing just because you have weak lungs. And so it always kind of sticks with me. Um, so I think again, but it is paying attention to, I'm not trying to rush this. That's what it reminds me. I, I don't need to be reminded to be in a hurry. I don't need to be reminded to have a hectic pace. What I need to be is a reminded to, to be steady, to be present, to, to, to linger, to tarry. These are, those are beautiful words for my tradition. And I need more of them. Peterson says this, that you can do a lot of things and be busy, but you can't pray and be busy. So when I'm breathing and I'm conscious of that, I'm aware of that. I'm also relaxing. I mean, we, we know this now from, from, from medicine, right? Deep breaths actually help your blood pressure. Praying actually helps your, 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 your blood pressure. It lowers these things. That, and that says so much to us in terms of like our anxiety. Like maybe what we need, we need is a, a, a stronger dose of, of prayer. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good, man. I think, again, just the you know, the, like you mentioned the brain science and, and just the ability of us just beginning to uh, almost slow the gravitational pull to busyness and rush. Um, it's like, 
it's it's just better for us. It's better for mm. our connection. It's better for you know our preaching. It's better for our family. It's better for our congregation. It's better for our soul. It's just better. Yeah. And um, you know this this book that you wrote. Um, you know you 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 got signed and published through IVP, which is I mean that's a that's a big deal. And um, I think they 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 you know put out on the regular just such great. Um, great resources um, around the the deeper issues of faith. And so it's a huge honor to you. Um, and I, I, but I, I also know this, and this isn't, um, this isn't a blanket statement. So hear, hear me say that, you know, John Mark Comer just got, you know, put on the New York Times bestseller list, but um, just because it's on the New York Times bestseller list doesn't mean it's a bad book. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, lot of great books that make that list, but there are also sometimes books that are really, really great that somehow don't, get the the marketing uh that maybe it could have or come out at the time that um something happens in the world you know i had had friends who who were so excited for books to come out and then you know we went through such painful civil unrest and they're like i'm not gonna like pump my book during this time Mm -hmm. and it just was like which is a hard it was a hard thing um and part of like the reason i i wanted to to even just talk with you is I love you. I really, really love this work. I really, really think our world would be better if, if, you know, and our preaching would be better if, if people could really engage with the, the simple prayer concept and what that can mean in their prep and in their life and in their family and in their churches. Um, but also I think, uh, I don't know if this, this book got the fair shot that I think it could have gotten, um, and should have gotten. That's not you saying this, this is just literally me saying this. Um, so just, I think for some people, they might be going like, is this book just come out? Like, um, can you just talk about, hey, when this book came out and then uh, where they can find it? Yeah, Uh, the book came out uh, right now, just kind of celebrated four years. Um, years. And so next year, this book can go to kindergarten. And uh, (laughs) so, you know, four years ago and and they can find it on uh, Amazon. Uh, It's it's on Amazon. They could could pick it up at IVP on their website. Um, And so, yeah, again, and I'll be... Uh, I don't have an audiobook version uh, of it, but I always tell people this: if you give me a call, uh, I'll read you a chapter at a time, and so it'll be almost like a, like a bedtime story. <laughs> Dude, we should do that for an IG live. Like we should just like chapter one with Doctor Chuck Doss. Exactly. Yeah, um, but no, yeah, thank you for that. That was um, very kind. Very well, kind. it's tr- it's true. I mean, again, it just speaks to your your wisdom, and I think uh, I think our world, like the more that I've I've engaged with. Um, these ideas of simple prayer, the more I felt my own personal RPMs, anxiety, mm-hmm. like um, just like the anchoring. Um, and so again, it's, it's always fun when you can know a person who's written a book um, and like it. It's another thing when you like can know a person who's written a book that you like, but that's actually affected you. And so mm-hmm. it's just one of those, those gifts that you've just given to, to me Thank personally, you. to my family and uh, to the kingdom. So, um, Hey, you know, part of crafting character too, Charlie is, you know, we we do these year long cohorts and they're cohorts around communication. And, um, we, we just had one last week, Nancy beach led and it was awesome. It was both women and men. It was just an absolute, just delight. These year long journeys, uh, we're kicking off another one with Dave stone and, uh, he's just, he's, you know, he's, 
just captain humility. I mean, I think the world of this guy is an amazing, amazing coach and um, just doing some amazing, amazing work. And we're going to launch that in November. But um, I know you and I have been in a cohort the last year together and it wasn't with Craft and Character. Um, again, it was with 1010 Project. Who Those are my guys. Love them. Um, but just, I think for anybody listening, would you just maybe take a moment? I mean, this isn't this isn't a plug for like craft and character what I'm doing, but just a plug for find a cohort. Um, why, oh, yeah. why 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 would um, why 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 would you give up three times a year and mm. a monthly meeting um, and kind of submit yourself to a bunch of dudes and coaches? Uh, mm. Why why yeah. why why has a cohort um, been beneficial for you in Hill City? And I think the, the voice of the collective will always be richer than just my solo voice. Wow. And so whether that's a leadership style and a leadership bend to, to be more collaborative with my team or recognizing that having um, a group of peers that are in the same, maybe the same season on the same journey, um, but in different contexts. And the reality is what they'll bring will add, will add to me. And so it almost, it almost is, I, whenever I go do a cohort, I always know I'm leaving with the strength of 12 and I don't have to carry my weakness alone. It's almost now I've got 12 people that will help kind of undergird the places that I, I might feel, um, feel too vulnerable or I'm, I might feel fragile. So for me, I've, I've loved that. I love a sense of community. And I am the guy that, um, loves quiet time by myself. I love to study by myself. I love that. But even in, in that, I love having a conversation around it to help, help start the wheel and get things moving. And, and I just think many of us, we get into these seasons of leadership and we can look in our rearview mirror and see all of the education and preparation that we invested in to get us to this place. And I just think it's very, very dangerous for leaders to think that they're going to lead for for the balance of their career and not need, um, not need reinforcement, not need further coaching, not need further training. And if, if this word can help anybody, uh, I would simply say this, it doesn't make you less of a leader and it doesn't shrink your leadership by engaging in cohort and getting coaching and having people come alongside you. It actually, um, it is the strength. We're all standing on somebody else's shoulders. Cohorts just let you know the names of the people whose shoulders you're standing on. Yeah, dude, that's so good. Well, I mean, even just practically, like I won't, I wouldn't have known you um, if if like, we didn't have a, a a time in Jackson Hole together. You know what I mean? Yep. And then that just like connection happens, and 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 it's like you know, um, we we have these moments where being in it. I think we're what I found is the surprising aspect is um, watching a coach like work through something with you mm -hmm. um, or the questions you're asking. It's like 70% of the learning, you know, we've joked about has been watching, you know, one of us like engage with a coach and just kind of go, yep. Oh, I'm wrestling with that same question, different context, similar question. Oh, look how they did that. I can apply that to me. My, and it's like, yes. I just sped up all this learning. And, yes. and made some incredible brothers and sisters like during the process. And so all yeah. that to say, like, there's a ton of them that are out there. If you're looking at getting uh, more kind of coaching when it comes to communication, we'd love to talk with you. You can go to www.1010 
theascentleader.org. Um, if you're looking just for some wild adventure times, you can check out the 1010 Project. Again, there's not a sponsor for them, uh, but I love those guys. And there's, again, a ton more. Deep, deeply, I just want you to have connection, yeah. community, and um, the chance to, I love how you said that, Charlie, the names, to know the names of the shoulders you stand on. That's a powerful, powerful reality. Well, Dr. Charlie Dawes, thank you. Uh, where can people find you? Where can, give us a little little uh, Hill City uh, knowledge as well, or social media. Yeah, our, our church. Uh, our church is uh, Hill City, D.C. Uh, on Instagram. Uh, we're on Facebook. And uh, man, we would, if you're in the DMV, we would love you to like, come swing by. Um, and you can get all the service times and all that stuff uh, online, uh, hillcitydc.com. Uh, and for me personally, uh, I'm you know, Charlie underscore Dawes and online and love to, to chat with you. Always love hearing if people do pick up the book. Uh, I love hearing uh, the stories of how, if, if and how it impacts them uh, and helps them. That's such uh, an encouragement uh, and reminds me of uh, why I wrote the book. Dude, that's awesome. Well, maybe when this the podcast drops, we should do an IG live and have you at least read a little bit of the book and we can do some we'll do conversation. I think that'd be super, super fun. And just so Love you it. know, every time you say the DMV, I break out into hives because I grew up in Southern California. That's right. Division it, of motor vehicles. Yes. Yeah. It's just, it's but for us, it's the district, yeah. Maryland and Virginia. Yeah. It's beautiful. That's all that means. So if you're ever, ever there, but I could really, I could really uh, need some simple prayer when I'm at my right. DMV. Um, just so you know, that will, have, that will bring, my, mercy, bring my blood pressure down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I see so, well, Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in. If you like the podcast, feel free to share it, subscribe, pass it on, leave a review, let us know. Um, but seriously, um, we're here for you. If there's any ways that I can serve you when it comes to preaching, communication, if there's even somebody you'd recommend, you're like, hey, you got to get to know this person. Um, shoot me an email, steve at steve Ryan Carter. Dot com. Much love, everyone. Grace and peace. And I hope that you'll pick up this book. Truly. Hope you pick it up and that you will be able to just engage with the prayer that in any moment of any day, in any situation, can help relieve you of anxiety and keep you anchored in the one that is control of it all. Much love, everyone. Grace and peace. Grace and peace.